pleasant good morning to everyone and welcome once again to the Coles Brown Show. Broadcast live right here on the Black College Sports Network. Yours truly, Coles Brown. Let me quickly give you the rundown of the guest menu. In our number one, Jim Klein Peter, he covers Southern University Athletics for the Advocate. He joins me. He's up first, very shortly. He's up. After Jim Klein Peter will be Santoria Black of the Gramlin State Radio Network. He will recap last week's ball game for Gramlin State, a win over Tennessee State, and then preview tonight's game against Southern Miss. Then in hour number two, Brandon B.J. Jones of Inside HBCU Football. He joins me. He's going to cover all points in between. Southern University, the Southwestern Athletic Conference, and, of course, we'll try to get a little Mid-Eastern Athletic Conference in out of Brandon B.J. Jones. And then last but not least, Charles Edmond of the Alcorn State Radio Network uh, in our SWAC report. He will uh, talk about week one in the conference as well and then also get us ready for a huge matchup against Northwestern State. And if you know how I am about these matchups with your FCS brethren, out-of-conference games, this is one that you have penciled in. Will Alcorn State bounce back? Will they even their record for today for this season, or will they fall fall to zero and two? That's what's coming up on the guest menu. Southern University playing up last week, Troy State. Let me just say this: I think Troy State is going to be much better than their record indicated uh, last year. They really came out and they took it to Southern University. Final score. 55 to 3. Troy State over Southern University. Quite simply, here's just my uh, opinion on it. And, and you may agree, you may disagree. I understand. I said last, uh, last week's show, I didn't believe Southern University was going to uh, win the ball game. When you play up, you're looking at uh, talent, but more so depth. 85 scholarships to 63. But my question was to Southern University, would they, would they be competitive, would they be? And you know what, that I thought Troy State would win by that large amount. I look for it to be a little bit more competitive. Didn't happen. Didn't happen. So if you're Southern University, You look at the tape once, and then you just burn it if you could. Get rid of it. Really, get rid of it. Look at what you did well, if you did anything well, and then you have to look forward. I will say this. Going forward, they have every capability of winning every game that's left on that schedule. It will not be a big difference in talent. It'll come down to the intangibles, the little things, special teams play, being who you are and doing well. Let me quickly uh, give you some numbers, and they are, they're not good. They're not good, but they are the numbers that they are. For Southern University, net yards, 81 yards rushing. Troy State, 164. Net yards passing. Southern University, 108. Troy State, 300. Total offense, Southern University, 189 on 49 plays. 
Troy State 464 yards on 72 plays. Troy averaged, every time they ran an offensive play, they averaged six yards per play. Southern University, 3.9. But there is Kelton. I've heard from some of you already. We talked about the improvement made in fall camp. But let's remember this, and, and, and I told you, from all accounts, there was improvement. But I remember talking with Coach Gross, and he basically said, let's see when you go against someone in a different jersey. And Troy State really had a lot of men in the box, and I think this is going to be what Southern is going to face all year. And, and, I, and if I'm defending Southern, it, it's the same way. I'm not going to let Skelton beat me with his athleticism. He's going to have to prove to me that he could beat the team, my team, with his arm. And so that is what we're going to watch for. The biggest improvements from game one to game two, right? Well, if that cliche holds true, Southern University should have a much better performance. Skelton of 11 for 85 yards, receptions. Lampley was 4 of 8, it was 50%, 16 yards, 2 interceptions. Glenda McDaniel, 1 of 3, 7 yards. Devon Ben, 11 carries, 50 yards. And by the way, there was information put out that there was an internal situation. Jalen Ivey did not play, defensive end. Marquise McClain, wide receiver who transferred in. Uh, from Auburn University, did not play. And then Ethan Howard, freshman All-American tight end. That was a that was a difference. Big difference, yeah. So the question is, and, and Alex, my first guess, is there any updated information? Will those players play today? Then Corey Williams, out with an injury. Jared Sims. Now, Coach Rollins in, in his press conference said he's hopeful that they can play Today, we'll find out against Miles of College. And then going into this Miles game, a couple of things right off the bat. Southern has to show a physicality. The O-line is a physical unit. Got a lot of, of press clippings of how good they are. Let's see if they get a chance to show it today against Miles, who's Division Two in the SIAC a very good football program. They just got to establish the running game. Got to be dominant, got to be physical, and establish the running game. And O-line and D-line must be dominant. Those are just some quick keys, but uh, Jaguars fall to 0-1 on the season. Burn the tape after you review it. Can't change the outcome. Now you got to look forward to the rest of the games on your schedule. And you have an opportunity to win every one. Expectation is high. Southern is the standard. It's their model for 2021. Let's see what happens. I'm going to take a quick timeout. And when I come back, I'll schedule a visit with Jim Klein Peter. He covers Southern University Athletics for the Advocate. He'll join me next. You're watching the Colos Brown Show on the Black College Sports Network. I'll be right back. 
Have you had your Earth Blend coffee today? At Earth Blend Coffee, we take pride in offering you the very best of beans across the world, blended and roasted to perfection, giving you superior quality and satisfying and flavorful taste. Experience the world in one cup with Earth Blend Coffee. A.D. Drew and I are co-hosts of the BCSN Sports Wrap. We talk about all things related to HBCU athletics. From the games, teams, coaches, and fan interest stories, we cover it all. You can find our shows on Facebook at BCSN Sports Wrap, YouTube at MyJBN Online, and everywhere you listen to podcasts like Anchor, Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts. You can also find the show on the Jericho Broadcast Network's app. Make sure to download. We look forward to you joining the conversation and being a part of the show. Follow the Black College Sports Network on social media at MyBCSN1, the number one, on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at MyBCSN1. It's never too early to plant the seed, to share the tradition, and instill a sense of pride in your HBCU with your little ones. HBCU Pride and Joy Children's Boutique helps you share your school spirit with a wide selection of adorable kids' apparel and accessories officially licensed from your favorite HBCU. Visit HBCUPrideJoy.com and follow us on all social media at HBCU Pride Joy on Facebook and Twitter. We are back. For the first time in 62 years, the Florida Memorial Lions will hit the gridiron. And their home games will be streamed by the Black College Sports Network at www.fmuathletics.com, www.mybcsn.net, and on the MyBCSN app, available on Google Play and the Apple App Store. To this week's edition of the Coles Brown Show. Watch exclusively right here on the Black College Sports Network. First guest of today's show is Jim Klein. Peter, he covers Southern University Athletics for the Advocate. Jim, good morning to you. And I see you made it back safely from Troy, Alabama. Good morning. Yes. Yeah, it was, that's a long drive. Uh, uh, six hours in the car and lots of traffic, but. Uh, yeah, I'm back and uh, ready to roll for this week. Got a couple of home games coming up, so that's that's nice. It's always nice to be at home, sleep in your own bed. <laughs> I understand that not only do the players have that comfort, but also members of the media. With that being said, we'll take a look. We'll get your opinions on on Miles and uh, college coming up here in the Pete Richardson Classic. But um, Jim, tell me, Troy State, fifty-five to three. A lot of fans have, you know, reached out on social media, and, and they're disappointed. Albeit you're you're playing up, you're going to a team that has a good bit of talent, eighty five scholarships, and a team that Troy State is much 
uh, improved after one game than they were last year. In other words, didn't expect them to win, but maybe be a little bit more competitive. What, what are your thoughts on Detroit and Southern University football game? Well, it's always nice to at least score a touchdown when you know, you know, the odds are against you. You want to at least maybe get a touchdown or two, let people know that, uh, you know, it it gives you the idea that uh, that they are playing hard. But you have to take the coach's word for it on on this. They played well. They played hard. They did what they could. Um, You know, it could have been a different game. I I know this uh, coach uh, Rollins did say that after 17 plays, Troy went to a two tight end offense because they were having trouble protecting their quarterback. And I know I remember seeing that they were getting very, very close. They were hitting him uh, as he got rid of the ball. I know they had one penalty for a late hit, but they were getting hits on him just as he was releasing the ball. So Troy act uh, felt like they needed to go to a two tight end and max protect their quarterback. Well, that tells you something about Southern's defensive line and uh, Davin Cotton had a good game and they were playing without Jalen Ivy, but uh, 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 I think uh, Tyron Nash had a good game in his place. So, um, you know, uh, hats off to Southern for that. You know, they kind of forced Troy out of what they really like to do and they didn't really run the air raid and they probably ran the ball more than they than they usually would against uh, in, in normal circumstances Jim that's uh, I guess the can I say million dollar question about uh, Ivory and McLean and Howard uh, what's the latest on that I mean it's very quiet coming out of Southern camp uh, they, they termed it as an internal matter should we look for those players, maybe to play tonight, or what's the latest? I think they will, and and I'm just guessing. Um, I think what happened was it, it was – I think internal makes it sound like a discipline thing. I think it was more of a clerical thing. Um, I think probably if if not for the hurricane and school being closed all week – they would, it, it's something that they would have been able to attend to during the week, but they weren't in school that the week leading up to the game. So um, they couldn't handle the matter and they were back in school this week. So I'm kind of getting the, getting the feeling that they're telling me that the, those three guys will be back. So I don't know about the other guys. Um, as far as uh, Gerard Sims, uh, he's got a, you know, a, 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 it looks like it's going to be week to week with him. And then Corey Williams has a hand, a hand injury, and I and I and I just don't know. He, Jason doesn't like to give a lot of um, injury information, which is you know coach's prerogative, and a lot of coaches are the same way. So, yeah. Well, I understand that, and particularly you know Ivy and and McLean and Ethan Howard, they are integral parts of the offense and the defense. So uh, I guess it's something to look for to see if they're 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 back today. Uh, but Jim. Even if they were able to play, you still face a team that you're playing up in the depth, and they were able to wear Southern down. So, I mean, maybe they would have gotten those, um, you know, touchdown or two touchdowns, but I think it still would have been tough to get a, get a, get a win against Troy State. Yeah, it would have been tough to get a win, but I think with if you had Sims and Howard in there, and even McLean. I mean, three starters. Uh, Howard's a guy that they that they look. They're going to look for him every game, they, and and he's the kind of player that could have helped them. 
because he's he's he becomes a secondary receiver. He's a, a guy that uh, Skelton could go to. Uh, and by the way, uh, uh, Rollins made made sure to 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 say that Skelton didn't play that badly. The pick six he threw was a was was a case of the receiver falling down, and that was a receiver starting in place of McLean. That was uh, Travis O'Connor. So um, a guy, you know, maybe a, a little butterflies there or something. I don't know. But um, yeah, I, I would look for better performances down the road. And you make you always make your biggest. Coaches like to say you always make your biggest jump and improvement from the first game to the second. Uh, Hopefully, that it is true in this case. You're absolutely right. I mentioned that uh, earlier in the show. Most improvement uh, between game one and game two. And, and speaking of that, Jim, uh, before we were on. Uh, on the show, I, I I got a text message already about uh, this game, Miles, is going to be a tune-up. But I wouldn't look at it as a tune-up at all. Miles, a respected program, Coach Ruffin, um, you know, SIAC, they're at the top of the standings every year. I think this is a game Southern University will have to come out and execute their game plan and be physical and don't take this team lightly. Do I, I know, Jim, you don't believe that it's a it's a tune-up game. Well, you know, it's not a conference game, it, it, so it doesn't count in the conference standings. And, and yeah, I'll agree on that. But this is a kind of this is a kind of a trap game. This is a kind of game where they can catch you napping if you uh, if you're thinking too much about you know where this team comes from. It is it's going to do them some good to play against a team like this because they're going to be disciplined. They're not going to make mistakes. Uh, they're gonna uh, they're gonna come right at you, and you've got to play physical. Uh, you got to play their style. You got to match their intensity, and uh, that's one thing you're definitely gonna get from this team. They don't have a lot of uh, they don't have a Ladarius Skelton at quarterback. You know they don't have uh, an Ethan Howard at tight end, but they got scrappy guys. They got a guy look uh, the 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 running back who he had 107 yards against Alabama State. That's that's not a bad Alabama State team. So I was really – that's the biggest surprise score I saw last week um, from last week. It was 14 to 13. So that's a wake-up call for Southern. They need to know – they need to look at that game. I'm sure the coaches are showing them the game tape. And, you know, this is a ferocious little team they're going to face, and uh, they won't go away. So if even if Southern gets a big lead, this team won't go away. And, and to your point, that's why I think Southern University has – come out and establish their physicality. Uh, Miles, they ran, they ran the football very well against Alabama State, as you mentioned. Didn't have as much passing, but defensively, they're, they're, they're very strong. And I can just see this, uh, Jim, if they can establish the run, they're going to want to keep Southern's offense off the field. And if they could keep the game close, they feel maybe that they have a shot. So it'll be interesting to see how, if Southern comes out and starts fast if, if they get up a couple of scores then i think it forces miles to do something that they, they don't like to do or not capable of doing yeah well they're going to probably try the same game plan they're going to they're going to stay on the ground and try to stay close that's what they did with alabama state now alabama state contributed with a lot of penalties i think they had a hundred had over a hundred yards in penalties so uh you don't i mean that's you got to play a clean game and that's that's one good thing is that this is southern's second game and i thought southern played a pretty clean first half 
Uh, you know, it starts to get sloppy toward the end, but uh, uh, against Troy. But I thought Southern played a pretty clean first half as far as not getting a lot of penalties and not making a lot of mistakes. So uh, that's what they got to do and and uh, get a lead, assert themselves early in the game. Don't let don't let uh, Miles hang around because uh, <laughs> eventually, you know, they'll get confidence if you do that. And I'm gonna go back to you. you mentioned the trap game, and, and I wasn't really thinking about it, but hey, this Southern team has to take care of business because the team that's in Baton Rouge today, McNeese, they'll come back to Baton Rouge next week. And not to get ahead of ourselves, but to me, that is a game. When I looked at the schedule, I put a I put a couple of stars by that. This is a benchmark game. So when you say the trap game. Hopefully they're not going to be looking ahead, but then you're talking to 18, 22 year old kids and take care of business against, against miles. Cause next week, uh, Jim <laughs> is McNeese at home. Right. Yeah. And McNeese is a game they can win. Uh, they're, they're on even terms with McNeese and they can match up with them. Um, so I, I, I say it because it's a division two game. It's this, it's the game of Southern schedules for their home opener. The Pete Richardson classic is they're not going to schedule Troy for that. You know, they want to they want a game uh, where, you know, you know, I don't know what you call them. I don't want to I don't want to call it a cupcake game because Miles is not a cupcake. And uh, but it's a game you want to schedule that you think you can win and uh, and get some momentum early in the season. There's nothing wrong with that. All schools do that. That's what LSU's got when we're playing McNeese right now. They want a game that they can, you know, lick their wounds after losing last week and uh, come back and win and, and then try to get on get off on the right foot. So, um, yeah, you know, it's it's a trap game in that uh, this is uh, this is a team that they're supposed to beat. But, um, you know, you still have to play. You can't just show up and win this game. Well taken. Visiting with uh, Jim Klein, Peter, he covers Southern University athletics uh, for the advocate. Uh, Jim, uh, the press conference, uh, Coach Rollins, the SWAC uh, conference media this past week, do you get the feeling that Coach Rollins is still, he still believes he has the ship sailing right? And I said earlier, you know, look at the film, but maybe that was last week. Burn it if you have to. I know they're not going to burn it, but to uh, to start looking ahead, what do you think has his mindset? You've talked to him going into uh, today's ball game. Well, they're they're not in, in some strange place right now. They're not struggling to find themselves. I mean, they, I think he knows what kind of team he has, and he was missing some key players uh, last week, and they, and they take that into consideration. But he seemed happy with the way they play. You know, the effort was there. The intensity was there. You know, sometimes you're just overmatched and sometimes you can't help what happens in a game. I don't think he has any worries. It's, it's you know, it's a week to week thing. Football is you, you, you put that game last week. And even if they'd won 55 to three, he'd be telling his players to put this game behind them because and because beating Troy would have made this even an even bigger trap game. Uh, if they'd somehow managed to upset Troy, because uh, a lot of people would have noticed that. It's, uh, it would have gotten some national notice. Um, so, I, I don't, you know, coaches are even keeled. They they understand that it, each, each game is a season unto itself. Each week is a season unto itself. 
So you can't think about, just like you can't think about the spring season, you can't think about last week. And that's what, you know, they always do that. And everything um, is pointed toward beating miles. They're not thinking about anything about what they can do to prepare to, while they're preparing to beat miles, what they can do to prepare for McNeese State. You know, they don't even mention McNeese State. So I, I don't think uh, I don't think there's anything to worry about there. He's been a coach for 25 years. He's been on enough staffs. You know, coaches have that, you know, that focus instinct. And uh, it's not any different, going to be any different this week. Jim, I kind of gave my my kind of keys for, for Southern University. And I don't think it was overcomplicated. I'll give you the opportunity uh, for Southern. Their keys to be successful in today's game against Miles, Miles College. I think the first thing they need to do is assert themselves early in the game. You know, if they can drive, if they can score the first time they have the ball, that that's that's a huge thing. It takes a lot. Of, it takes some of the pressure off of you. You can play loose after that. Uh, getting getting a lead is is going to be good because you don't want Miles hanging around. You know, uh, I think um, it was seven to nothing at halftime with Alabama State, and you know, you know it's not so good. And then they and they they held on, and then they rallied to tie it toward the end. Um, so definitely do that. And you got to get Ladarius. Um, he, you got to get him throwing the ball around confidently because you need him to do that. You're going to need him to do that down the road. And, you know, those interceptions probably rattled him some. And uh, so uh, you got to get him off to a good start. I, I think everywhere else, I think Southern's defense is going to be, um, it's going to be significantly better than it was last year. I think it's going to be, it's going to surprise some people. Uh, how well they play. I think they're going to uh, uh, going to win some games with their defense. So um, just being, a, just getting um, miles off the field, getting that offense off the field and not letting them hang around. I would agree. Some would say I'm a guy that agrees a lot. Well, no, it just makes sense. It, it really does. Tonight, 6 PM, miles college of Pete Richardson's class. And by the way, uh, now at AW Mumford Stadium, Pete Richardson's field, they're gonna they're gonna make it kind of a ceremonial officially uh tonight. And boy, Coach Richardson, um just an outstanding coach, outstanding person. A honor well deserved. Right, Jim? Yeah, you know, the best thing about Pete is that he's not from Baton Rouge, but he chose to stay here and, and live here. You know, he he got he developed an affection and, you know, winning will do that. Winning will make people people love you. And and if you feel loved, you don't want to leave. So uh, that, that was something really good that he did. He stayed here um, and now he's a big part of the program. He's probably helping with fundraising. You know, people, you know, come up to him all the time. The, the coach, Miles um, coach, uh, uh, thinks Pete uh, Richardson's a legend, a hero to him. You know, he, he, um, they, they see each other at these, um, at these coaching conventions and meet them. And it's, it's like, you know, you and I meet in our, the, 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 the player we grew up, uh, uh, worshiping, you know, so he's, he's a huge, uh, he's huge in the community and he's a good man. He's uh, great to talk to and, uh, he deserves everything he gets from Southern. And now part of the, uh, radio broadcast crew as the, uh, color analyst, um, Hey, He's still around football, something that he loved. Well, Jim, 
appreciate the time as always. We got a little late start, but hey, it, just like in a football game, you got to make adjustments. <laughs> right. We were able to make an adjustment here on the Carlos Brown Show. Take care, Jim. We'll talk again real soon. My pleasure, Carlos. Thanks for having me. Right. That was Jim Klein. Peter, he covers Southern University Athletics for the Advocate. I want to take a quick time out. And when I come back, I'll visit with Santoria Black of the Grammar State Radio Network. Kind of get you ready for you Grambling fans, alums out there. Uh, Grambling State, successful last Sunday against Tennessee State in the 16-10 victory. Now, they play up. Quite a few teams play up. We're going to, throughout the show, we're going to give you uh, the week two schedule in the Southwestern Athletic Conference. You'll see many teams playing up in, in the conference. And then, of course, we still have to recap last week's uh, ball game. I'll do that with uh, scheduled guests coming up. But I'll take a quick time out. You're watching the Coles Brown Show on the Black College Sports Network. This is the Dean of the College of HBCU Sports, Kenyatta Cavill of Dr. Cavill's Inside the HBCU Sports Lab with Mike Washington and Charles Bishop. Come mix it up in the lab where the course lecture is in session every Tuesday from 6 o'clock p.m. Central Standard Time on Facebook Live, YouTube, Spreaker, or the BCSN app. As we discuss all things about the HBCU sports culture, including exploring the week that was in the sporting HBCU dashboard as well as the upcoming week of HBCU Sports. With me, the Dean, the College of HBCU Sports, on Dr. Cavill's Inside HBCU Sports Lab with Mike Washington and Charles Bishop. Course lecture dismissed. Your ad could be ran here. MyJBN.com backslash support. MyJBN.com backslash support for more information. Majesty is a premium health and wellness tea line focused on bringing delicious yet healthy tea blends to the community. Filled with an abundance of vitamins and antioxidants, we work to blend teas with exotic spices and fruits to produce scrumptious and wholesome beverages. So check us out at MyMajesties.com. That's M-Y-M-A-J-E-S-T-E-A-S.com. My Majesties, an Urban Passport member. Are you hungry for authentic Caribbean food like jerk chicken, oxtail, red snapper, shrimp, tofu, and rasta pasta? Well, find your way over to Mango's Caribbean Restaurant, 180 Auburn Avenue, right next to Royal Pika in downtown Atlanta. Mango's Caribbean Restaurant, open daily from 11 a.m. to 10 p.m. And on Friday and Saturday, we're open till 4 a.m. Come to Mango's and put some spice in your life. Mango's Caribbean Restaurant, 180 Auburn Avenue, right next to Royal Peacock in downtown Atlanta. For more info or directions, call 404-698-3992 or log on to mangoscaribbeanrestaurant.com. For instant coupons, text M-A-N-G-O-S to 313131. Mango's Caribbean Restaurant, authentic Caribbean cuisine. Follow the Black College Sports Network on social media at MyBCSN1, the number one, on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at MyBCSN1.
Welcome back to this week's edition of the Carlos Brown Show, watched exclusively right here on the Black College Sports Network. First guest of today's show, Jim Klein-Peter. He covers uh, Southern University Athletics for the Advocate. And today's game against Miles College is the Pete Richardson Classic. Uh, this will be the second second annual Pete Richardson Classic when the Jaguars take the field against the Golden Bears of Miles College. Now, if you don't know about Coach Richardson, he was a legendary coach for Southern University. He was the head coach of the Jaguars program from 1993 to 2009. And check this out. During his tenure, the Jaguars football team won five Southwestern Athletic Conference titles, four Black College Football National Championships. His team also made six appearances to the Heritage Bowl. And that was a former postseason HBCU bowl game. At Southern, Richardson had four, four 11-win seasons, including a 12-1 run in 2003. Now, his career record, including five seasons at uh, Winston-Salem State was 176, that's 176 wins, 76 losses, and one tie. tie. And over a 17-year span, Richardson defined Southern football with 134 wins. That's second all-time behind the other iconic legendary football coach, A.W. Mumford. He's the only coach in the history of Southern University football pro- program to have the unique distinction going undefeated against Coach Eddie Robinson of Grambling State University Tigers in the Bayou Classic. So the Pete Richardson Classic against a opponent, Miles College, who lost by basically uh, one point against Alabama State, 14-13. to 13. So I believe Miles is going to come into this game as this is their Super Bowl game part two. Last week against Alabama State, the in-state school. Now, if they come into Southern University and A.W. Mumford Stadium and Pete Richardson Field, they come up and get the win, which would be an upset. That would make their season. Miles is playing up for the second consecutive week. So we kind of talked about it in the last segment. Southern University, physicality. we got to establish the run. And they've got to get off to a fast start. Now, Skelton, we know the issues that he's had. And, 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 and a funny story, it, <laughs> at Swag Football Media Day, as Coach Rollins was making his rounds, and, and, you know, I was just trying to be nosy, I guess, maybe messy. I was saying, Coach Rollins, the quarterback, it's going to be that position. It's going to be one in fall camp in practice and he turned around and said well you know at that point he said but Darius Skelton has only lost four games as a starter at Southern University and I said yeah coach I understand that but three of those losses were to Alcorn State I actually thought that was funny but I don't think coach Rollins thought it was that funny but so goes the Skelton he is the equivalency of the point guard or the coach on the field. So let's see if it's going to be better play all around, all around better play. I think now uh, I told you before the last break, Santoria Black of the Grandma State Radio Network, let's see if he can join the conversation. 
if he's ready. And that, there he goes, the man in black. I got on black. Santoria, good morning to you, sir. I must love you because you're one of the only people I know that I will pull over during my trip to a football game and do an interview with you, man. I know I love you. I appreciate the love. Yes, man, look, yes sir. You my boy, so I'm going to always help out, man. Sir, I understand it. Well, I, I'm glad so far as safe and sound. You're on your way to Hattiesburg, Grambling State. They want to forget, and we're going to forget, about the spring season. That's in the history book. They start off the 2021 football season, defeating Tennessee State. Just kind of talk about uh, the mentality of, of Grambling State's football team, Coach Fobbs, and, and how those guys went out and was able to win the football game against Tennessee State, 16-10. to 10. Well, I think the first thing is is that the defense had a, a heck of a game. I mean, they really got Tennessee State off balance. Uh, they were able to blitz the quarterback, got him, out, got them uncomfortable, especially up front. Uh, those guys had a hard time with the blitz packages that Coach Todd put in place. Offensively, I think we did enough. Uh, you know, Garrett Urban had a good game. Uh, you know, I think that the other thing that we did was is we utilized our backs. You know, one of the things on offense that Coach Fobb says he wants to do this week is he wants to utilize – the, the wide receivers more, and that's just because of the fact we got some really good talent on the edges and on the outside. And so I think that's one of the things he talked about doing this week. But the other thing is Tennessee State did a couple of things that went in Grambling's favor. One of the things is they had 18 penalties for 150 yards. You ouch, know, when you have – Yeah, when you got 18 penalties for 150 yards, man, it is very, very difficult to win a ball game. And, I mean, they would make progress – and then they would have a hold, and they would have more progress, and then they had illegal man downfield. They had, I think they got uh, like me a 40 or 50-yard run, and then all of a sudden it was a legal man downfield, had to back it up, holding, all of those kinds of things. So a lot of penalties. The other thing is they got away from what was really working. Uh, their running back was all OBC. They started running the football pretty well, and then all of a sudden they just stopped running. Uh, I think that, that also kind of got them out of some things. See what I'm saying? So I just think that when you start looking at uh, the game overall, take nothing away from Tennessee State, but Grambling's defense was really <laughs> good on Saturday. Now, offensively, and just kind of briefly looking at some of the, some of the numbers, Coach Forbes, in, in, in your opinion, can we see improvement as far as the passing game? The trigger guy is is the most important guy on, on the offense. Does Coach Fogg and the youth Santoria believe that there is needed improvement offensively at, at that position? Well, I think that part of it is is that he always talks about there's a there's a huge growth from week one to week two. He said it during his coaches show this week that it was going to be extremely important for him to get get those receivers going in the ball game, and you know that's one of the things that he talked to Elijah Walker about is the hey. Make sure you get looking at those guys down the field. You got a lot of you got Darrell Walker. You got I me. Mean, you got all these guys out here who are really, really talented. Make sure that we're getting the ball out to them. So I think that's one of the things that they did work on in practice this week is getting the ball out to the receivers. They did a lot of scouting on Southern Miss, which you know they had their own troubles this week, losing thirty-one-seven to South Alabama. But I think that you know getting that ball out to those guys is going to be really, really important. You got some good talent. Find up. Matter of fact, Grandma State the next two weeks playing up. Uh, Southern University played up. You got some other teams, Alabama State playing Auburn. 
in, in those games, you know, depth is an issue. But what does Grandma State look to get better in? And and I guess the word I'm saying is being competitive because it is what it is, Sanatoria. You're playing up. That's always a difficult assignment. You know, look, let's start with 22 more scholarships. You know, let's just start there. I mean, and, you know, when you got 22 more scholarships, you're, you're behind the eight ball. And that's what Coach Fobbs talked about to his players is that, we, you know, you got to get even first. And that's, you know, the 22 scholarships. And then you have to get past the fact that you're on the road, you're in somebody else's place, and he likes being on the road. I think the major thing is when you play up, it's more about what the team does. You don't want to get overwhelmed with the moment of playing this team or that team. You know, like Alabama State, they're going to play Auburn today. You know, don't be afraid of the moment and who you're playing. It's just, you know, you got other guys on the other side. Obviously, there's there's a definite discrepancy. You know, there, there's no question about that. But I think it's about what the team does and how they play. You don't want to self-destruct by making a lot of mistakes, turning the ball over, lots of penalties. You know, Grambling only had like four penalties last week. One was controversial. And so when you start looking at that, if you don't, if you do what you need to do the right way, you know, you give yourself a chance. But if you got a lot of penalties, a lot of turnovers, missed blocks, missed assignments, see all of those things, all that does is just, you know, feed the, you know, feed the fuel, feed the fire. So it's just really more about what Grambling does in trying to put their kind of the best game that they can. And of course, Anatoria, we know these games are a guarantee. You're playing up, but 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 money games. I think, and we've had this discussion before. I, I mean, I personally don't like those games, but I understand why they do it. But I guess we're going to continue to see these type of games. But I would love to see more uh, games. And I may be in a minority on this this comment. I like to see more FCS another conference game out, out of the conference and, and be successful in, in those games. What say you, Senator, about that? You agree or disagree? I'm on I'm on the fence because, you know, if, if you could do it where financially you could still benefit from it, you know, sure, James Madison, William & Mary, North Dakota State, South Dakota, whatever the case is. The finances is the biggest thing. You know, I under, you know working in athletics for as long as I have, you know, and you've been around programs, you got to make sure that your finances are where they need to be at. That's, that's the whole purpose of these money games. You know, some of the fans talk about well, why we got to play these money games. Real simple. Unless you're selling out your crowd and your stadium every week and you go to classics and you're selling those out to where, you know, you're getting the money that you really need. This is how this is the lifeblood of an athletic department. I mean, hell, look at the G5 schools. Louisiana Tech went to Mississippi State. They're getting a guarantee. You look at um, uh, Marshall, they're going out. They're getting a guarantee. ULM has got a guarantee against Kentucky. So it's not just the FCS school, but look at the G5 schools and what they have to do every year to get it. They play at least one big guarantee every year. But look at it from this standpoint. A team like ULM or Louisiana Tech or North Texas, you're going to get $1.2 million to go and play another school at an FBS level. For our schools, you know, if you play somebody up like that, you $500,000, if you know how to negotiate it. So the money is different because you're an FCS school. What the name on the helmet don't matter. All they look at is there's only there's a ceiling that you're going to pay for an FCS school because the FBS schools demand more money. That's the way that that works. So when people talk about how, well, we're this and we're that, we should get more money. That's not how this game works. 
your FCS. That's what they're going to look at first. When Iowa played North Dakota State, and North Dakota State went in there and beat them, by the way, they're probably not going to get invited back. They got a certain amount of money because they're FCS. That's the way that that, this game works. Well, and and appreciate the time, and we could go on and on, but uh, I I know you're traveling uh, down the the Hattiesburg, and I appreciate you pulling over and stopping for yours uh, truly. I guess somewhat I'm spoiled, Santori. I I remember when Coach Richardson was coaching at Southern and uh, 10-year series. Southern packed their own stadium. Hell, they packed Northwestern State Stadium, Turpin Stadium, and they had success. Although the series ended up five to five, but Southern started off winning four of the first five, and they were able to win and make money. I know now we're we're 2021. That's 30 30 years ago. But it it would be nice if you can to do both. But again, I I understand why they play those games. I just look for them to be as competitive as they can. Because we've talked about it. It, It's going to be a tough situation. Yeah. um, I want to tell you something about that too, though. Here's the other thing, and and I've heard a couple of coaches uh, say this, and I agree. You know, Southern has a huge traveling base. Grambling has a huge traveling base. Jackson State. The one thing that gets frustrating is you will go to a team stadium and pack it out. If they have to make a return trip to you, sometimes the crowds are not even close to what it was when you went to their place. And so now schools have to make decisions and say, okay, well, if I go to X school and we're packing it out at their place and they come back and they're not even bringing (laughs) half of the fans that we brought, is it really worth playing some of those schools? And, you know, and I agree with that because, you know, you're going to you're going to really help their coffers and their finances by packing their stadium out with the band and everything that comes along with that. But then they you, they come to you and they can't sell a thousand tickets. You know, I, that's a problem for me because it, there, it's not it's there's not reciprocated as equally from the financial standpoint. So that's another reason why you got to play these guarantee games and you got to go get, and sometimes you're not playing the big schools like Auburn and, you know, they're in a political fight of their own. That's going to self implode pretty soon with all of the different things that they are because they're greedy. But when you look at the G five schools and you look at some of those, you're not going to get a million dollars from Georgia state, or you're not going to get a million dollars from Appalachian. You know, you might get three fifty, four hundred, good weekend, four fifty. You know, they're not able to pay as much, but they're going to give you a guarantee where you may not have to drive that far. Hattiesburg is three and a half, four hours from Grambling. That's a good guarantee. Houston is five hours. That's a market we go to. So it makes sense. But it's not as equal sometimes. And I think that's the biggest downfall in playing some of these other schools on the FCS level is they're not going to travel like that. Now, North Dakota State travels. You look at some of these other FCS schools in this area, Delta State travels. So I think that, you know, you just you really have to just look at, you know, how things are done equally. Well, and some would say if you look at the other side of the argument. Some of the conference games at home, no, I'm not talking about the Bayou Classic. They're not coming out. Our fans, they're not coming out to the games. And That's right. if, if, if you're able to get your home crowd in there, I I personally don't care if McNeese next week brings 100, 200. 
But if your fans are loyal and they pack the stadium, then that's what you're looking for your athletic department and your school to be able to make money on it. And again, I remember those days. Maybe I'm living in the past, but you know, I, I remember those days when Mumford was packed. Really was didn't matter who the opponent was because yep. they were winning championships and they were winning games. But we'll have this discussion continue in the next uh, coming weeks and I guess the next coming years. But um, valid points, Santoria. You got to look at both sides. And uh, uh, they're not going to stop playing those uh, those uh, money games because I don't like them. <laughs> well, you know, look, I, I'm just like, as long as you're paying me and you're paying me a good wage to come and play you, I'm all for it. Because my thing is, is that the PWIs have now taken advantage of a concept that we, I remember that we used to get talked about. Why y'all play so many classics and why y'all play classics? What are they doing now at the beginning of the year? All these uh, neutral side of games playing classics, just like the HBCUs have. So, you know, I'm at, you want to pay us a good check? Come on. I ain't coming there for no hundred thousand dollars, but then give me a good check. You know what I'm saying? And you know, hey, yeah, I'll come. And come. And if you start winning some of those games or even being close, if you're playing up, Hey, you might not get that call back. You might not yeah, get ask Mervell Melendez. Look, ask Mervell Melendez, who used to coach Alabama State, about beating big teams and seeing if they'll come to you. <laughs> I will do. Hey, man, I appreciate you pulling over. Uh, Godspeed in your travel. Be safe. And uh, we'll talk again real soon. And uh, go Tigers. Absolutely. Look, you my brother. Uh, anything that I can do to ever help out Carlos Brown, I'm a dude, man. Uh, be safe today, man. And, you know, we're going to try to get this win. Yes, sir. Appreciate it. All right. That was Santoria Black of the Grammar State Radio Network. I'm going to take another quick time out. Um, I have two more guests lined up. Should I put both on at the same time? Should I put one on, B.J. Jones, and then add Charles Edmund? We'll see. I'll talk to Brian Fulford. He's producing today's show. But I'm going to take a time out. You're watching the Coles Brown Show on the Black College Sports Network. Follow the Black College Sports Network on social media at MyBCSN1, the number one, on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at MyBCSN1. Support the Black College Sports Network so we can continue to provide you coverage. Go to myjbn.com slash support and be a part of the Black College Sports Tell everybody Network. they can follow their dreams. The Cuvée Group is a Florida-based marketing and training consulting firm. We help businesses communicate to their target audience and engage them in conversation. We also help to expand their audiences, which will ultimately result in growth for those organizations. In addition to being a certified constant contact specialist, my colleagues and I are also certified in John Maxwell Leadership Principles. We use these proven principles to conduct workshops, training, and private coaching sessions for individuals and companies looking to take things to the next level. Contact us to schedule a free consultation. Issues today, don't delay. Call Cuvée. Have you had your Earthblend coffee today? At Earthblend Coffee, we take pride in offering you the very best of beans across the world. 
blended and roasted to perfection, giving you superior quality and satisfying and flavorful taste. Experience the world in one cup with Earth Blend Coffee. A.D. Drew and I are co-hosts of the BCSN Sports Wrap. We talk about all things related to HBCU athletics. From the games, teams, coaches, and fan interest stories, we cover it all. You can find our shows on Facebook at BCSN Sports Wrap, YouTube at MyJBN Online, and everywhere you listen to podcasts like Anchor, Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts. You can also find the show on the Jericho Broadcast Network's app. Make sure to download. We look forward to you joining the conversation and being a part of the show. Follow the Black College Sports Network on social media at MyBCSN1, the number one, on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at MyBCSN1. It's never too early to plant the seed, to share the tradition, and instill a sense of pride in your HBCU with your little ones. HBCU Pride and Joy Children's Boutique helps you share your school spirit with a wide selection of adorable kids' apparel and accessories officially licensed from your favorite HBCU. Visit HBCUPrideJoy.com and follow us on all social media at HBCU Pride Joy on Facebook and Twitter. We are back. For the first time in 62 years, the Florida Memorial Lions will hit the gridiron. And their home games will be streamed by the Black College Sports Network at www.fmuathletics.com, www.mybcsn.net, and on the MyBCSN app, available on Google Play and the Apple App Store. This is the Dean of the College of HBCU Sports, Kenyatta Cavill of Dr. Cavill's Inside the HBCU Sports Lab with Mike Washington and Charles Bishop. Come mix it up in the lab where the course lecture is in session every Tuesday from 6 o'clock p.m. Central Standard Time on Facebook Live, YouTube, Spreaker, or the BCSN app. As we discuss all things about the HBCU sports culture, including exploring the week that was in the sporting HBCU dashboard as well as the upcoming week of HBCU Sports. With me, the Dean, the College of HBCU Sports, on Dr. Cavill's Inside HBCU Sports Lab with Mike Washington and Charles Bishop. Course lecture dismissed. to this week's edition of the Coles Brown Show, watched exclusively right here on the Black College Sports Network. I'm joined now by two gentlemen, two brothers, two colleagues, two team players, Charles Edmund of the Allcourt State Radio Network and, and BJ. I'm seeing that room. I'm getting flashbacks. Oh, and Allcourt <laughs> State on the reservation. And Brandon BJ Downs of Inside HC, HBCU Football. BJ, Charles, good morning to both of you. Good morning. Good morning. How you doing? I'm doing all right. I just, I'm going to try not to, I'm going to focus on you, Charles, and not 
the room and the surround. <laughs> you know, oh my goodness! All course that you you said security was looking for me, huh? Yeah, absolutely. Every time, um, every time we get close to that Southern game, he said, "Man, where's your where's your boy Carlos Brown? I want to see him. I'm looking for him." I, I, I'm out of that. I've been out of that stadium quick. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, that it is what it is. Now a new year, and and, and I I want to just kind of dialogue with both of you. Swag football scores and recaps from uh, last week. I'll start with you, BJ. We talked about being competitive. Covering the point spread. You're Southern University alum. Were you A, disappointed, B, mad, C, damn mad? Which one was it? I, I would say B, damn, damn, damn mad. <laughs> uh, you know, I was uh, fuming. um I have not seen Southern University look that bad in a long time. Um, offensively, defensively, um, special teams had some bright moments, but there, there has been a while since I've seen Southern University look that bad. Was there any, you know, we could do a seven good, the bad, and the ugly. I know it's ugly and bad. Anything good that you saw? Uh, defensively against the run at, at times, the, the defensive line was exceptional. Um, you know, that, that, you know, that's something that I saw, uh, the offensive line, uh, had some moments. Um, so those, those were some goods, the bad, uh, secondary, very poor at tackling, um, uh, receivers were getting lost in the zone. Um, Ladera Skelton, didn't look like the Ladera Skelton that we had heard about. He looked like the Ladera Skelton of old. Um, you know, it's, it's it, you know, multiple of different things. One thing that I usually can say about the Southern University football team is that they're disciplined. Didn't see a lot of discipline out there on last um, week uh, with some, some, some boneheaded uh, penalties, uh, one being the targeting in the second half, uh, some, some other uncharacteristic uh, mistakes by Southern University that I'm accustomed to seeing, especially uh, the last few years upon the head coach Dawson Odoms. It was a tough situation. And I'm sure in the first hour of the show, this is probably one of the times you, you look at the film briefly and then burn it. Now, you won't see a team more talented than you saw in week one. BJ, would you agree? Going forward, they have every opportunity to win every game left on their schedule, albeit they can't win it in the paper. They've got to go out on the field and get it done. You agree? No, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I'll move over to Charles. Charles, do you want to talk about the Southern playing up? Because we, we're going to see in several cases this week, teams are playing up. Alabama State is at Auburn. They they should be on the field as we speak. It's always so tough to play up. I guess the word what we've been talking about is being how competitive are you going to be because it is what it is. You know you're playing up 85 scholars to 63, et cetera, et cetera. Yep. I mean, if you're going to play a game like that, it needs to be in week one or week two. You know, you you rarely see a SWAC team or a MEAC team play a team like that midseason because – 
typically those teams are in midseason form and you know you don't want to catch them in their stride if you will so if you're going to play a troy state you know next week we've got south alabama if you're going to play a team like that it, it needs to be in the first two three weeks of the season um, i'm not surprised at the result we kind of talked about it last week you know southern did not get off to the, to the best start and before you know it it got out of hand and that's exactly what happened i'm not going to you know put any 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 credence on that game uh, you hope that they didn't come out of it in terms of injuries because you you know the old adage, what they say on the street, you know, when you play a game like that, you get a big guarantee, but then you use that guarantee money to pay hospital bills because because your team broke up. I mean, so let's hope that's not the case because it's a long season and the expectations are still high. So everything is still on the table. It's a very tough challenge, a very tough loss. And, you know, you do look at it a little bit, but you don't put a lot into it and you move on. college football like you know high school have a, a, a scrimmage jamboree you talked about it before college that it'd be nice they can have a pre one preseason game and you could maybe do oh well i won't hold my <laughs> breath on it bj and Charles. let's get into um some swag football scores and recaps and, I, and i'm interested to get your perspective on uh week one alabama state over Miles fourteen to thirteen, Alabama and them by one point over South Carolina State. BJ didn't I say, and it would win, but it would be much closer. Yeah, you did. Did everybody expect Troy, of course, over Southern fifty-five to three, Pine Bluff over Lane thirty-four to sixteen, Purview and them over Texas Southern forty to seventeen, and UTEP only ten points victory over. But then Cookman, of course, Sunday, the, the game, the game. Jackson State over FAMU, 7-6. to six, And, of course, uh, Grambling State over Tennessee State, 16-10. to 10. Uh, BJ, which one of those games stood out to you? Uh, really, uh, Alabama State and Miles. That was a, a contest. Uh, I remember the game starting uh, as we were on the, you know, almost getting ready to pull up at Troy. And I remember getting to the press box and, you know, it, it was 7 nothing early. And I was like, wow, they didn't update the score. You know, kind of what's going on there at halftime, 7 nothing. I figured, like, maybe they didn't update the score. And then I jumped on my tablet and went to YouTube and, and was able to look at it live. And just sure enough, it was 7 to nothing. Um, Alabama State played well defensively. Miles College only had 12 first downs. Uh, Miles only attempted nine passes the entire game. Only completed three of those, by the way. But they found a way to remain in the game. Miles College did that. Uh, and it was one of those games. It was like Alabama State had done enough. You look at Ryan Nettles, his numbers, they weren't bad. Uh, with a penalty here, a holding there, a, a fumble here, a drop pass there. And it allowed Miles to stay in the game and almost win it. So that was a shocker uh, for me because I think a lot of people anticipate Alabama State with what they did in the spring season, that young offensive line, uh, Ryan Nettles and some of those other players, expected for Alabama State to take the next step in the fall. And as of last week, just one week, just one data point, as we always say here, they uh, they, they did, did not. So it's going to be an interesting season, uh, season moving forward. Uh, down in Montgomery. 
Dogs, what game stood out for you? Um, Bethune Cookman and UTEP. I think we talked about it last week. I expected that game to be a lot closer because, as they say, UTEP is you know, on the lower tier of the FBS wrong. And, and so you have to give Bethune Cookman a lot of credit for hanging in and playing, you know, playing that type of game, that type of way. And I think what it says is don't sleep on Cookman. Don't sleep on Bethune Cookman whatsoever. So that's the one game that that stood out for me. You know, I was kind of disappointed in that Alabama State uh, Miles game in terms of it being as close as it was at Bama State. Very fortunate. You know, they're, they're playing a very tense schedule. When you got a Tuskegee and a Miles and you're playing in-state schools and you're on the last year of your deal, you got to have some 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 wins, I'm, albeit may not be impressive, but you you, you got to be able to come out strong. And you, you come out of a game like that scratching your head and then you step into the Plains and you're playing Auburn <laughs> and, and then we too. And so, uh, you know, but that's the one game that stood out for me. But Bill Cookman really hung tough against UTEP. And so that was really uh, that was really a, a good result there. And, of course, Jackson State FAMU, very disappointed, extremely disappointed in, in, in that. And, and, and I, I, I went out on the limb and I said a year ago, it's going to be I thought FAMU was going to win the game because I thought they would get the better quarterback play. Willie Simmons is kind of the quarterback whisperer in terms of coaching in this conference at HBCU football. He knows quarterbacks. He knows how to coach them up and get them to produce. And it didn't happen. It didn't happen. And I was very disappointed in, in the fact that they got no quarterback play. That's why they lost the game. So on one hand, proud of Bethune for the way they hung in against UTEP, but disappointed and against uh, against uh, with Florida A&M and Jackson State. You know, and you better be careful because Fort Valley's coming for them after what they did to Tuskegee uh, the other day. BJ, did Coach Simmons wait? Did he wait too long to put in the backup quarterback? Or do you think it would have made a, a, a big difference? Oh, yeah. Um, I, I was, while watching that game, I said early in the second quarter that, I'm sorry, that this kid's not it. Um, I, did, I, I just didn't see a way for FAMU to win that ball game. Um, once you see he was only com- – his com- completions were only going for about two and a half yards uh, per completion. He couldn't push the, the, the you know, uh, the secondary was basically sitting at three yards. Um, everything was condensed, and which made the running game, you know, it was tougher. Sammy was able to run the ball, though. Um, I, I just didn't think that Sammy was going to win the football game uh, with, with that young man under, under the center. And then this summer, I had heard so much about Junior Maritola that it was a neck-and-neck neck, uh Fall camp, uh, Maritovic was was right there, and at times played better than McKay. Um, so I was shocked that he waited that long to put Maritovic in after I heard about so much promise from the young the, the young freshman. Well, well, guys, you can see quarterback play is you got to have it. A quill glass will this team to win forty two to forty one. Prairie View and them, their quarterback, albeit week one, did a great job. The teams that struggled with their quarterback play, they kind of struggled. So how important is it going forward? We say the most improvements between game one and game two. Skelton struggled, in my humble opinion. How important is it to get that quarterback play going forward? Um, I- 
Go ahead, Charles. Go ahead, Charles. No, I, I, I think it's I think it's important, um, especially when you look at the veteran quarterbacks. You know, we saw what Aquil Glass did, um, but when you got a freshman quarterback, and that's what FAMU is dealing with right now. There's going to be some growing pains. There's no question about that. It's going to be starts and stops, and probably more stops than starts. And so when you have high expectations with a young quarterback, the pressure ratchets it up a little bit. So I, I think it's important to have good quarterback play. I think it's important, but you also have to have a good running game to make the quarterback a little bit less, uh, much less pressure on them. So if you can run the football and make take pressure off your quarterback, that's important. But if that doesn't happen, then you're putting it squarely on the quarterback's shoulders. And that's tough if you're a young quarterback like what you've got at Battle State, what you've got at Florida A&M. It, it makes it tough. So it's important. But I think you got to complement that with a, with a bit of a running game as well. Oh, being balanced. <laughs> BJ? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I agree with Charles, man. When you have a young guy, uh, the biggest thing is you can't ask him to do too much. Uh, you don't want to put the team on their back, per se. Uh, you you kind of want to you know, help them with a strong running game, playing stout defense, being uh, great in the special teams. Uh, you just need them to come in basically and manage the game until they find their way. Uh, and, and when that light goes off, they'll let you know that they're ready to, you know, to, to lead that ball club. But you can put more and more and more on them. Uh, but if you don't have a quarterback, uh, defense coordinators are really going to pin their ears back and come at you. Uh, you open up the door for everything uh, defensively as far as blitzing and uh, stopping the run to sell out to do that. And teams are going to dare you to throw it until so you can prove that you consistently get the ball down the field. And, 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 and add to that, Carlos, real quick, you got a young quarterback in a pressure game, and we're talking about FAMU and Jackson State. Just think of all the pressure that was surrounding that game. That was a division game. That's a conference game. Willie Simmons told me at media day he loves that. I mean, he had it at preview when they opened up with Texas Southern because it gets your attention right away. That's great when you have a veteran quarterback, but when you have a young quarterback, you got to micromanage it and sometimes it doesn't always work. And, yeah, I got a text at halftime that said, you know, I expect a change at halftime with Bambi's quarterback. It didn't happen until fourth quarter, probably two or three series too late. And I think I do think that if the change was made earlier, I feel like FAMU would have done enough to maybe get another touchdown or a field goal on the board to maybe win that game. I guess another two or three weeks. You know how you have – Who's the hot team in the conference? Who's the best power? And I thought about it. No, don't do it today. It's still so early. Let's 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 look at about two, three more, about three more weeks. I think we'll be able to identify teams that are strong, teams that are not, teams that are in between. But what I will do is is this: uh, looking at the games for Saturday, September the eleventh. Alabama State at Auburn that kicked off at 11 o'clock, guys, on the SEC Network. Um, we got this game. <laughs> War dang eagle. <laughs> <laughs> that was an easy one, huh? Yeah. Um, you know, that's that's a tough one, obviously, in-state. Alabama State just needs to get out of that game healthy. Not saying they're going to get broke up but they didn't need to get out of that game healthy because there's some, there's some question marks there. And there's even more so if you don't have the personnel because they're hurt or on the sideline. So get out of that game, do what you can stay healthy because you got a long schedule ahead of you. You got a tough schedule coming up. You got FAMU coming up. 
So, you know, you 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 got to get out of that game up right. DJ, quick answer, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Auburn. <laughs> All right. Where are you going? Yeah, let, let, let's move on. Hmm. Let me say this. Fort Valley State at FAMU. Charles mentioned Fort Valley. I was shocked. Not that they won, but they beat Tuskegee 30 to zero. Now they go into a renovated Bragg Stadium. I got FAMU winning this one, but, and they played last year. Am I nuts to believe that FAMU will win, but it won't be about 30 or 40 points? I think it's going to be uh, a tough game, at least for a while. I got the Rattlers. Um, I think they'll, you know, get by maybe you know, 18 to 20 points. Hmm. 18 to 20. I'll make a note of that one, BJ. Um, yeah, I, I could see that, but then I can also see 10 to 13 point win. But then I guess FAMU uh, alumni wouldn't be happy, right, BJ? It was no, a 10 no, point victory. And, and don't get caught up on the name Tuskegee. That tells Tuskegee program is not the program that it once was. Okay. Well, I, I'll take that advice. Coach Slater has done a great job there. But what, BJ, they're not the same Tuskegee, huh? Not the same old Tuskegee. I think that was just 30 to 0. Though. That, that's what got me. But hey, Charles, FAMU, and um, Fort Valley State. You know, after kind of stewing on this game, after being a little ticked off that FAMU lost and watching the quarterback play, I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure. I'm scratching my head right now. I mean, you 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 threw a guy in the fire. He's had a, a half of football. You got a team that that's playing fairly well. Fort Valley, even though I mean, I don't look at who they played. Yeah, Tuskegee's not the same Tuskegee, but yet they won that game and and they won it convincingly. Trust me, there's going to be some pressure down there at Bragg Stadium from FAMU's perspective because they're still still after losing to Jackson State, and a loss can cost you twice, as as the old saying goes. Do I think FAMU, <laughs> FAMU should win the game? But as they say on the streets, if you play around with it, you're not going to win the game. And so Willie Simmons has got to fix that quarterback situation quickly. It's not going to be easy. You know, it's growing pains. And if, if Fort Valley hangs around in that game, then they have a chance to win it. But my prediction, I will go with you, Carlos. I think it'll be a lot closer game just because I think Florida and m still stewing from last week, and I think the corrections are just not going to be that easy or that quickly. And mentally, you need to forget about last week. I know it hurts, but moving moving forward, hey, you got to get better. But then Cookman got a lot of feedback on that game. Wow, their physicality. We talked about them being a sleeper in the conference. And by the way, I think all three of us had family coming out of the uh, East. Was that correct? Yep. Okay. Well, I, I had someone to tell me that that shows that my prediction skills are horrible. My response, <laughs> my response to them guys was this. It's still early. It's still yes. early. One game does not determine your season, even if you win or lose. And, and and if I say this guy's name, you know you know who I'm talking about. I'll say it, Mr. Avis Heath, Mr. Newark. <laughs> well, 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 Carlos, I'll, I'll tell you this real quick on Florida and them. They got to get it fixed quickly. You got Fort Valley today. You got uh, South Florida, Bama State, and A and M. In that order, 
they got to get it fixed and they got to get it fixed rather quickly because I said they could be 0-5 if they're not careful. And if you're 0-5 with those two with three division losses, it's all over. So whatever ails FAMU, whether it's a quarterback play or whatever the case, they got to get it fixed right now, starting today, tonight against Fort Valley. Listen, man, you can look at several teams could be 0-3, 0-4 mm-hmm. coming up. Oh, well, I, I, I know one team, it, it better not happen. I I don't have any hair, and but I still pull something. <laughs> but it's going to be okay because we'll see in three or four weeks from now which teams have gotten better, and that's that's what you're hoping for. But Bethune, Central Florida, Bethune-Cookman, we give them, give them all the accolades. Central Florida, they're playing up again. Who wins this game, guys? The Golden Knights, big. Big. I concur. I mean, I I, I think it'll be Central Florida, but I, I tell you what, that's an in-state game. I, mean, I I deal with the intangible stuff, and you know, I'm 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 kind of data driven, but not as data driven as as other people. That's an in-state game. Um, I think Bethune will play hard for a while, but coming off that long trip to UTEP, I think they, they might run out of gas. So, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll go with Central Florida, but i tell you what, if Bethune's defense steps up and kind of keeps things in check, um, who knows? 63 goes into 85, one time with a remainder. I think as well as they could play, eventually in these games, the depth takes over. But I, I got Central Florida in there, but hey, my heart, I'm pulling for Bethune Cookman, but my mind tells me it's going to be Central Florida. Tennessee State and Jackson State. Guys, I was not really impressed. And I know it's the first game with Tennessee State. I know they got a, a dynamic coaching staff, et cetera, et cetera. I only got to see maybe half of the fourth quarter. I think both teams have uh, some work to do. Um. Tennessee State, Jackson State. <sighs> I don't know. I, I'm gonna, no, I'm going to go with Jackson State because their defense, they bring it. And I think they'll force some turnovers, and I, and I think the offense just has to manage the game. Don't do more. And you saw Coach Sanders getting on his son about trying to do too much. You don't lose the game. But I, I, but I, I, I like Jackson State in this ball game. B.J.? Jackson State. Yeah, I like Jackson State in this one. It pays me to say that, but I, I have to say it. <laughs> Charles? Yeah, I have Jackson State as well. I mean, I think the last time I checked, Eddie George was hired when? Yesterday? Or was it the day before yesterday or was it last week? I mean, he just he just came on board, and it's going to be some growing pains there. You know, I was impressed with Jackson State's defense, even though FAMU didn't really stretch the field that much. I just think if you look at pound for pound, talent for talent, Jackson State's just a better team all the way around. I expect Jackson State to win the game, albeit. I mean, if if they goof around with it and let Tennessee State make some plays, I mean, they scored a little bit against Grambling, although it wasn't impressive. It's one of those rival games in which there's a lot of emotion. It's going to be on TV. Uh, but Jackson State is my pick to win the game because they're just a better team. Now we'll move on quickly. Texas Southern is playing up against Baylor. And the second year coach. That's gonna to be tough. I I believe Baylor wins this game by how much they want to win it. By it won't even be close. Baylor rolls in, in this ball game, guys. 
agree. I agree 100%. Yeah, Coach, Coach McKinney, his team played tough for a little bit of a stretch against Prairie View. And, you know, there's enough teams in Texas where you can play up without ever having to leave the state of Texas. But that's a tough challenge for Coach McKinney's team, uh, Baylor all the way. Yeah, Grambling State next. At Southern Miss, 6 p.m. ESPN 3, moving up. It was nice to get a win for Grambling State. But, by the way, they play up the next two games, one game at a time. Southern Miss got spanked by South Alabama, Charles. Remember that. You'll be in Mobile next week. I, I think Southern Miss wins. And, again, depth, all what we said before, they'll, they'll be able to win the ball game. Yeah, I like the, the Golden Eagles to win this one. Um Coach Will Hall is in his first year. Uh, it's going to take him a while to get that program uh, going. So I would not be shocked to see Grambling hang around for a little bit. But at the end of the day, I think Southern Miss gets it. Well, you know, Grambling's my alma mater. Um, USM, that game against South Alabama was a big loss in many ways. Mobile and Hattiesburg are 85 miles apart. That's fertile recruiting ground for USM. They typically get a lot of players from the Gulf Coast region, and those recruits look at teams like South Alabama. If they're the better team, they may lose out on those recruits from that area. So that was a big loss for USM in more ways than one. I think they're still stinging from that loss. I think Grambling offensively has to do a little bit more than what they did against Tennessee State. I think USM will win the game because of depth. But don't be surprised if Grambling's offense gets it going a little bit don't be surprised if that game is a lot closer, kind of like Bethune in Texas and, and on UTEP. I think that type of score is what I could look at for Grambling and, and USM. You know their fan base is going to want a big victory. If it's close, if you listen to their postgame show, they'll, they'll be whining like they lost. They want to take it out on Grambling State. Grambling's job is to be competitive and play the best that they can. Wow. The next game, I could almost say this is the game of the week. Northwestern State, they played up in game one. Now they go to Alcorn State. Dare I say Alcorn if they lose this ball game today? They're zero and two, and then they're going to, Charles, you're going to, to Mobile to play South Alabama. First and foremost, is this the game of the week in you guys' opinion? I agree, um, because I think that this is an opportunity for the SWAC to make a statement against the Southland Conference. Uh, so, you know, I, I think that this is a definitely a statement game for the conference and, and as well as for all corn state. No, I said you look like you had a concern on your face. By the way, thanks, Brian. All corn state is a two. Point five favorite, two point favorite. Come on, Charles, tell me why I should be excited about this ball game. Well, this this game is going to attract a whole nother sector of fans. It's called the FCS Fans Nation, and if you follow them on social media, on Twitter, Facebook, all they talk about is what you do against other FCS opponents. Believe it or not, the SWAC as well as the MIAC is the FCS conference. We hardly ever play these type of teams, the Northwesterns, the Stephen F's, the Sam Houston's of the world. So when you look at the FCS fans nation, they're saying, all right, SWAC, all right, Alcorn, here we go. You're the best. 
in the SWAC. Let's see how you do when you step out and play another FCS opponent. And so this game is this game's important for a whole other sector of fans. We should play more of these type of teams, Carlos. You and I have debated this many times. Uh, Northwestern ran for 260 against North Texas last week. I look at Northwestern State in the same realms. I look at North Carolina Central. Central had four backs to get it done against this two weeks ago. Uh, Northwestern State's got a, got three or four backs that can get it done as well. I think it's going to be a quick game. And, yes, we should win this game if our defense steps up and makes plays. Offensively, we got to run the football, avoid turnovers, and clean up special teams. If we do those things, we're at home. I think we have a chance. But if we struggle and if we don't put our pedal in the metal, we did it a little bit against uh, Central. The first two drives were great. But if we stall out and, and give Northwestern State momentum and let them hang around, you know, it could be a different result. It's a big game for a lot of ways. You got South Alabama coming up next week. Then on a short week on a Thursday night, you got Pine Bluff. Then you got a bye week. Then you got Grambling for homecoming. So we got to get it just like FAMU. Got to get it fixed. Got to get it fixed right now. And I think following the bye week, we should be charged and energized and ready to be productive and win this game tonight. DJ, can Alcorn State get it done in your opinion? Yeah, I think, you know, Alcorn, uh, I, I almost want to say they have to. Uh, because if you don't, there's a good there's a good chance you're going to Arkansas Pine Bluff on the Thursday night 0-3. And no one envisioned Alcorn State season going that way. All right. So I, I think that for Alcorn, you almost got to get it done. But I like Alcorn to win it on the reservation. I think it'll be close, but I, I, I like the Braves to get it done over the Demons. Phillies Harper, ball security. You don't have to win the game by yourself. We saw a couple of instances against North Carolina Central. I think Alcorn has to get back to establishing the run. And look, when Harper came on the scene, I praise Alcorn to be able to adjust, not four games later, but that game is McNeese State. So now Alcorn, we think of Alcorn to me, you think of a team that is run first, but then now they're kind of like they, they pass it very well. Can they be balanced? I'm going back to balance again. I think this is what it will take tonight. They'll, be, they'll have to run the football, and they'll have to be able to pass it. No turnovers. And, boy, Charles always talks about special teams play. That could be huge. A punt return, not too many kickoff returns, because that means Northwestern State has scored. But a block punt, you know, turnover on the kickoff. These are the things. And, and I'm, I've got all corn winning this game. They're at home. It's always, to me, worth three points. I think Alcorn gets it done. It'll be a close game, but I'm pulling for Alcorn, and I think they uh, will win. Miles at Southern, Pete Richardson Classic. Southern, three points in game one. BJ, should we look for Southern to come out and establish their physicality, establish the run, and hit Miles in the mouth often? But Miles is a tough team. Coach Ruffin has done a great job. At Miles, this is uh, almost like a Super Bowl game to them. But will Southern get to, will Southern get it done? If you look at Miles' last few contests against the SWAC, take away Alabama State from last weekend, none of those games have been close. I think if you're Southern, you want to follow that trend. This game should not be uh, close. 
Uh, not from a talent standpoint, not from any other standpoint. I think that Reggie Ruffin is one of the best coaches in the game. Would not be shocked to see him in the swag soon and very soon. Um, he, he, he is that great of a coach when you look at what he's done at Miles College, where that program was and where it is now, night and day. Uh, but if you're Southern, you have to come out and take care of this business. And if this football game is close, a lot of people have a lot of questions. There's going to be a lot of questions. Uh, in Baton Rouge. And, uh, so I think, you know, for, uh, you know, for Southern uh, University fans and, uh, the staff, I, I think that you, uh, want to see Southern win this game by four scores, by three or four scores or more. Well, I would take that, BJ. Of course, I'll take a win if it's seven or 10 points. But hey, if that's the case, then you still have question marks. It, it'll almost feel like a loss. So they've mm-hmm. got to get off to a good start and they've got to establish themselves. It's And I'm just saying, Miles, the program, where they were, great job they're doing. It's more about Southern in this game. Absolutely. That's Absolutely. what they have to establish, get back to their identity. Then last but not least, Prairie View and them at Incarnate Word. Boy, Prairie View, same Prairie View, they can score points. They could beat Texas Southern, which they did, but I think the competition gets a lot stiffer in this ball game. And uh, I like Incarnate Word, to uh, which is a very explosive team as well. I like them at home. I think Prairie View is one and one after two games. Charles, yeah, I, I agree with that. I mean, we, we we saw what Coach Dooley's team can do in scoring a bunch of points, but can they can they keep it up as they step out of the conference? You know, typically teams take their foot off the gas in this league when they play out of conference. You hate to say that, but that's just a reality. There's not a lot of attention on this game because the assumption from fans is, oh, well, they're, they're going to get their tails kicked anyway. I don't care. Well, you should care because these are the type of teams that you really want to get better against. And uh, we hope that's the case. It's like Alcorn Northwestern State. Let's hope it happens uh, with Prairie as they try to get better. I think another opportunity for the swag to step outside and what Charles just talked about, uh, playing a, a team from another FCS league. <laughs> and, and, and this is why this is so important. Non-conference games helps you. It helps your team. That's it. Non-conference games helps your entire conference when you win them. I vote on a few FCS polls, and when teams are not ranked and you're wondering – why is so-and-so won this many games, but they're not ranked? Because those non-conference games come into play. When we see that you play X, Y, and Z from your conference, and they play X, Y, and Z from another conference, and they didn't do well, then the perception is, well, the reality is, your conference does nothing but beat up on each other. You do nothing when you step out on, on the outside. So that's why these games are important. If you want to see te- SWAT teams have an opportunity for at-large bid to the playoffs, if you want to see SWAT teams ranked in the top 25, these are the games that you have to win. These are the games that said that the SWAC is the conference uh, to deal with. I said that uh, said this last week. People talk about the SWAC being a, a power conference with the addition of Florida A&M and Bethune-Cookman. If you don't win non-conference games, you are not a power conference. You're just a conference with a lot of teams in it. Power conference means that you step outside – and you handle business in the non-conference. With that being said, I think Incarnate Word beats Prairie View, and you know this is another swipe non-conference loss. 
and, that should and, be and the goal. That should be the goal, Charles, to play these games, but not only play them, but start having success. Go ahead, Charles. Well, yeah, I mean, we have to remember something. I think our fans, and I love our SWAC fans, but sometimes we have 12 schools in this league, and sometimes our fans act like we're 12 independent and private schools. We're not Notre Dame, in which we're just out there on our own. We are a member of a league, and it's the league that gets the bid. In the yep. NCAA tournament, it's the league that gets the bid. If we didn't have the SWAT fire names, we wouldn't get a chance to go to the tournament. So it is about the conference. Then yes, the BJ's point, yes, we have to do better collectively as a league from top to bottom. Our schedules have to line up from top to bottom and playing these FCS teams. We're not talking about playing down because committees don't even look at those games. When you play down, they don't look at it. They look at what you do against other FCS and even if you play up a little bit against, you know, decent FBS opponents. So, yes, we have to play more of these teams. Yes, we have to win these games. And if we do that, then we'll get more attention. Or if not, like the FCS fans nations have said on social media, we're just another league. And that's that's not that's not what we want to be. We want to be the best that we can be. And in order to do that, two games today can, can prove that we belong if we can get it done. Yes. See, I'm a competitive guy. In these games, I would put extra detail on you're not going to be able to tell me well what Charles just said you're just another league no we go out and we win those games I've seen teams have success in the conference um, against the Southland when Coach Richmond that Southern University Northwestern what a just pride to have you go to Northwestern State the, the first time you go to Northwestern State you shut them out mm-hmm. in Natchitoches that's big. That's huge. And th- and they played them the first game of the season. It set the tone for the, the rest, rest of the season. season. Yep. And so that that's why, you know, hey, I, people know my stance on the FCS playoffs. That's why I said you play them in the regular season and you start having success. Hmm. There, there are enough schools, Carlos, within our footprint to play more FCS teams. Now, I do know why we don't play them. I know why, because there's no guarantee, there's no $300,000 guarantee at the end of the rainbow. Unless you're playing a North Dakota State or something like that, James Madison, because they've got the resources. But most of the time, these games are home and home, and your guarantee is your home game, is your gate at home. If you have a few fans at home, that's your gate. But when you return that game, you're probably going to be playing in front of a half full, if not a full stadium when you go to Northwestern State, when we return the game. That's our guarantee. That's what we have to understand. But there are enough teams in the SWAC footprint from Florida to Texas in the FCS, the Central Arkansas, Stephen F's, um, Kennesaw State. You know, you go on and on. There are enough FCS teams in our footprint where we can play those type of teams, you know, maybe one or two games a year. Let me switch gears quickly before I get to the players of the week in the Southwest Athletic Conference. Now, I was thinking about you, BJ. A team – could be better, but their record may not indicate that. Mm-hmm. Did you see North Carolina NT boy? Yeah, it was close for a while. Then boom, they blew it up. North Carolina NT zero and two lost to Furman. I got a chance to listen to that via the uh, the internet. Those, I, I guess, North Carolina NT has had success. With what we're talking about against other FCS teams. 
But are you shocked that North Carolina A&T is zero and two, or, or you're not? Uh, I expected them to beat Furman. Um, I thought that they were a uh, more talented football team than, uh, than Furman. Um, I did learn that they had several players out along that defensive front against Furman. Then they lost two additional uh, for targeting. Uh, and it took them a while to get going. I was not see, shocked to see them lose to Duke. It's a Power 5 program. I don't care how bad they are. It's a Power 5 program. Uh, but, you know, but they, they, they did play well. Uh, and, and, and uh, you know, when I got done with our game last night, I looked at the score and was like, oh, wow, okay, North Carolina A&T is in it. But then by the time I got home, it, you know, Duke had blew the thing out. I think with A&T, I think that they'll be fine once they get in the conference play. I think Monmouth was the team favorite to win the Big South. They were hit hard by the injury bug. I think that North Carolina A&T, every goal that they had uh, to start the season is still in front of them. And they just have to take care of business once they get into conference play. I, I'll be honest with you. I'd love to see Southern and North Carolina A&T. I'd like to see a rematch in the regular season, A&T and Alcorn State. Mm-hmm. But it'll be interesting to see if now because A&T is not in, quote-unquote, uh, HBCU conference, will teams play them? You know, well, no, A&T has said yeah, they have said that they're going out and they're seeking uh, HBCUs. They got a 10 year deal with North Carolina Central. They got a deal on the table with Tennessee State. Um, they got Winston Salem State coming up in a few years. They are hitting the HBCU um, uh, sticks, if you will. So uh, we'll see what happens. Will, will we see? No, we can't see them 2025 because that's the Swag Miak challenge. But boy, if they were still in the mid, I think you would maybe have a better chance of seeing Southern and North Carolina A&T uh, get together, but it, it probably won't happen. But, BJ, you said Southern and Howard would would be good. But I guess playing up, though, it, it's something that we'll continuously see or continue to see uh, playing, playing those games, playing up. And maybe we'll start seeing more. Uh, FCS non-conference games. Well, I, I will say this, Carlos. We can. We don't. It doesn't have to be this way. Our athletic director has, and him, Derek Horn, I have, and and I've talked about this. We don't, and I think it's the case throughout the conference. We don't have to play up as as much as we do. If we pack this stadium, Mumford, uh, Hornet Stadium, week in and week out. And I know Derek Horn has told me this verbatim. If we pack our place every home game, there's no need to play in Auburn. There's no need to play at South Alabama if we do that. But we're not doing that. And that's why we're doing what we're doing right now. So, yeah, we can talk about it, but it can be fixed. We don't have to do this. And until we do what we do, which is fill up these stadiums in our league, and we got good stadiums. If we pack them, then you don't have to play up. But until then, you got to do that, unfortunately. Yeah. Alcorn State hosting Northwestern State. What would be, in your opinion, tennis-wise, what would be successful? What do you think is going to be the crowd tonight? Uh, well, this is a, a 6 o'clock game. Um, I'm here now. We got a handful of folks here six hours before kickoff. Um, I think if we get 10 to 15, I think it'll be a successful, um, a successful uh, crowd. A lot of people from Northwestern and Natchitoches have hit me up on Twitter about the game, um, get tickets, and, you know, it's going to be streamed online and things like that. So I think Northwestern will bring a pretty good crowd. 
But I think 10 to 15, great tailgating atmosphere. Hadn't played here in a while since the SWAC championship game against, uh, I, won't, I won't name that team, but uh, I think it'll be 10 to 15. <laughs> I think it'll be 10 to 15,000. You know, that will be a good, a good attendance for our home opener. Charles, am I wrong? And BJ, am I wrong? I, I, I heard Charles say, well, it's a six o'clock game. BJ, you're a former athlete. I, I don't know. Uh, to me, on the road, yeah, I wanted to play those earlier games, but at home, I know that you're anxious to play right away, but man, six o'clock. Southern, the Jaguar Nation, love those, those, those type of games because, boy, they've got six hours of just cut loose. Oh, Tell man, that. I just love it. Love the late games, man. Even as a player, man, it gave me an opportunity. Really, um, I kind of unplugged away, you know, from football. I was you know, in the hotel, you know, sleeping and, and watching, you know, stuff that had nothing to do with football. You know, whether it was Martin or Living Single or something like that, just to get my mind kind of relaxed. You had time to do the meetings and doing the things you need to do. What now? We'll we'll throw you off. It's those eleven thirty of noon kickoffs when you got that you know six thirty seven o'clock wake up call and man and everything just boom boom boom. Uh, now those are ones that I hated. Fortunately, we didn't have many of them, but uh, yeah, I prefer the six seven o'clock kickoff. Because am I wrong? Um, Alcorn's fan base they kind of prefer the afternoon games, right? Yeah, I think I think the two o'clock games are good for us. Um, most of the time we do play at two o'clock, and so I think. You know, because of the tailgating, two o'clock is just a good time for us. Um, I talked with our offensive coordinator Elliot Ratton a few weeks ago about this. I'm like, you know, we open up with the Swag Meac uh, Meac Swag Challenge at six o'clock, then we have the six o'clock game. What do you prefer, night or day? He says it's really a challenge when you're playing in the evening because you got all this downtime. Now the team will be eating a pregame at two o'clock, but between let's say seven a.m. when you wake up and two o'clock, what are you doing? You're meeting. And then there's a lot of dead time, like what we're dealing with right now. And that, that's what bring, you know, brings up the anxiety. When you have a 2 o'clock game, you've got earlier earlier schedule, more compacted schedule. You can get a lot more done because, you know, you've got to get with it when, you, when, when your feet hit the floor in the morning. But, you know, a 6 o'clock game, you've got a lot of downtime. And that gets coaches anxious, players anxious. So I, I think from his perspective, he's not wrong. I mean, you've got to play the schedule at the time that you play. But, you know, I think, I think our fans like 2 o'clock. I think our players and coaches like two o'clock because you can get the game on and get and get done and get home to be able to enjoy your evening and watch some of the other games that are taking place uh, throughout the day. BJ, guess what? When Charles comes to Baton Rouge, it's a six o'clock game. He's gonna love that late start then because he can yeah. go out <laughs> and, and look, at, look, try to get some crawfish or something like that. But no you know, crawfish. Well, we're creative in Louisiana. There's a way to, <laughs> to, to find them. <laughs> well, last but not least, um, and, and, and I appreciate your time. It's nine after 12 Central Standard Time. Um, players of the week in the Southwestern Athletic Conference, Akil Glass. He was 28 of 49 for 426 yards. Mr. Miller for Jackson State uh, recorded one sack, one tackle for a loss for 15 yards. He's a defensive player of the week. Um, the specialist from Grambling State, a special team junior to the Tigers, 16 to 10 win over Tennessee State. 
a punter. He punted the ball six times for a total, wow, of 246, 41 yards a punt. BJ and Charles, I don't know if I want to punt that much. That means we're not as effective offensively. And then um, the newcomer of the week, Jawan Pass, a University of Louisville transfer, led Prairie and them offensive unit that racked up 486 yards. He was 25 of 37 passes for 354 yards. So, Akil Glass, offensive player of the week, Jackson State, Aubrey Miller, Grambling State's Garnett Urban, and Prairie View A&M's uh, Jawan Pass, all players of the week. Closing comments about those players and what they were able to accomplish? Oh, man, I was just amazed. Uh, Akil Glass, man, he's he just keeps rolling. Uh, just keeps rolling. Uh, like what he was able to do. Uh, Aubrey Miller from uh, Jackson State. Uh, you know, uh, man, he was all around the football. Uh, that Jackson State defense looks like the days of the dark side might be back. Uh, remember those dark side uh, defenses that Jackson State used to have? Uh, Jawan Pass, uh, Puma Pass, uh, transfer from, from Louisville. A lot of people forgot that he was at Prairie View. Um, I brought that up this summer. A lot of people had completely forgotten that he was at Prairie View, but it's nice to see that young man uh, bounce on his feet. Uh, know everything they go the way that, you know, it was expected to go at Louisville, but seems like he's rocking and rolling and he's throwing the football a lot better. So we'll see what Prairie View has uh, in, a, in a couple of weeks. Yeah. Big game tonight in Carnet Word. Uh, Charles, any closing comments as we wrap up this week's edition of the Coles Brown Show? Well, I think, you know, you talked about glass and I mentioned it on, on the podcast earlier in the week, you know, I mean, glass is glass. I mean, he threw for almost 500 yards and, and all that, but AM can't continue to win this way. It's not going to, it's not sustainable. They can't continue these 42 41 games. At some point, they're going to run into a buzzsaw defensively, or AM's going to be a little off offensively. So, I mean, that's been the case for last year and change. That that needs to change if AM wants to get to where they want to go. Um, I, I think, you know, for, for Mill and Jackson State, you know, the problem for Jackson State in the last part of the spring, their defense can get off the field. Southern, you know, scored on them, Alabama State. But, but we, you know, we don't know because FAMU struggled offensively. But if Jackson State can bring it like that defensively and Shadur Sanders can manage the game, Jackson State could be, you know, something to be reckoned with. But it's early. So those are just some some of my comments in, in the first, you know, couple of weeks of the season. I'm so anxious to see about maybe week four. We could kind of see – who's playing well, we can then probably come out on this show with, with, with a, a power ranking, rankings, uh, ranking, excuse me, for uh, this Southwestern Athletic Conference. I'm going to be looking to see uh, tonight, Alcorn State versus Northwestern State. Look at it with a critical eye. Southern playing miles, but we're definitely going to look to McNeese, Purview, and the Corner Word. Those are the games kind of use it as a measuring stick. I think one of you guys said a, a measuring stick with uh, this, this conference. I uh, want to thank Brian Fulford for producing, uh, Charles Edmund, B.J. Jones, Jim Kleinpeter, and Santoria Black, all who joined me on today's Carlos Brown Show. And for those who uh, participated, those who watched, I appreciate you. Don't forget, if you want to make a donation to the Carlos Brown Show, you see it on the screen, cash out the Carlos Brown Show. 
for all of us here at the Black College Sports Network. Make sure you tune in next Saturday at 10 for the Carlos Brown Show right here on the Black College Sports Network. Until next time, as always, peace and God bless. MyJBN.com backslash support. MyJBN.com backslash support for more information.